on cue this week. After our very, very long streak of getting the intro music to work perfectly, um, that ends at one. One week. I think last week was the only time I ever turned this on, had it start on time, and just didn't have to say anything. The music started rolling and not have to try to fill the silence until it's decided to start 13 seconds into it. Um, Welcome to the Home Run the Jewels Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. I am your host, Travis Pastor. Uh, on the line today, we have Patrick Wallace. Pat, how are you? I'm doing well, Travis. Uh, obviously, thanks for having me on. It's nice to um, finally get a break from, you know, working with the naturals and just talk baseball for an hour. So definitely looking forward to it. Right. It's always nice to just sit down and, uh, you know, kick it with, with who's been hot, who's been not, how to fix your teams, uh, to gloat over your picks. We had um, Stefan on last week, and like a month and a half ago, Stefan told everybody to go out and pick up Eduardo Rodriguez before he even got called up. So he just kind of gloated for about an hour. Uh, that's sort of how these work. But um, why don't you shout out your Twitter handle, which I hope hopefully you looked up so you know exactly what it is, and then we'll uh, we'll get going. Uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to, you know, obviously ask me any questions, follow me. Uh, it's at P-Wall, P-W-A-L-L, underscore 1989. Um, kind of speaking on what Stefan said, I wonder if he was uh, gloating before or after Toronto just handed it to Rodriguez, but that's another story. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, on that subject, uh, Jose Altuve hasn't exactly panned out uh, this season. He was kind of a guy who was pretty high on coming into the season, so we'll obviously get into that, you know, as the podcast turns today. Yeah, well, nobody gets every pick right or else they'd be like the most valuable fantasy asset there is. Um, I've been pretty high all season on James Shields, which has been pretty up and down. I was high on two pitchers, James Shields and Hishashi Iwakuma. Shields strikes out a lot of people, but man, he gives up a lot of home runs. And Iwakuma pitched three times and has been hurt since April. So I wish I said... uh, I was high on Chris Archer, Derek Cole, but that is not the case. Um, yeah, so it's been an interesting season, up and down, um, and I'm sure, like most of you out there, I've had some good teams, I've had some bad teams. Um, I'm in some dynasty leagues and trying to make a run for it this year. You know, I'm in some other dynasty leagues, like I was telling Patrick before we got in air, where I just cannot win. Uh, I am 0-11 in this dynasty league because there's no innings cap, um, which seems insane to me. Patrick, I hope you would agree. No innings cap is insane. Yes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've never, I mean, most any league there's, I've been in, there's a, at least a daily league. There's gotta be like a starts cap generally, um, which is what I've already always experienced. I am in, you know, obviously a, a head to head daily or a head to head weekly lineup league, um, with, there's no negative points, so pretty much any innings eater is, is as valuable as any, any ace if if they can't go long in the game. So, yeah, I definitely feel your pain as far as no, no innings limit because it kind of takes away the skill of the game, and it just means you're loading up on starts. Yeah, I mean, it is partially my fault for not, you know, understanding all of the scoring options. Um but even beyond that, I knew it would. It would pitchers were, you know, the guys to get. I thought it'd be a, a weekly. I didn't know it was daily, so I thought I could just start my seven pitchers I drafted and have them go. But you can shuffle them in every week. So I've been sh- shuffling around through some uh, some pairing of Kyle Loesch, Tanner Rorick, and uh, 
Aaron Sanchez when he's healthy. So suffice it to say, my team is going nowhere fast. Uh, but that, that sort of leads into what I wanted to talk about. Um, and we were talking a little bit before we got on air here, Patrick, was that uh, people always want to make trades, but there, a lot of times they're hesitant. Um, first off, how early in the season do you sort of look to make trades if you're you know, lacking a strikeout pitcher or you're lacking speed or home runs? Do you, do you try to address that like first week of May or you wait until the all-star break? Yeah, I mean, obviously trades is a big thing. For, what's funny is for some people, you know, trading in fantasy baseball, that's why you play, you know. That's the one aspect of the game where you kind of get to act like a GM. Um, the interesting thing is that's kind of half the, you know, playing pool. The other half, they're they're deathly afraid of making a trade because they don't want to be wrong. And therefore, essentially the only trade they're going to make is if they can turn Tim Lynch come into Giancarlo Stanton. So, yeah, I mean, I think... Trading is obviously it, it's key to winning in fantasy baseball, in my opinion. Um, obviously, I wouldn't make as many trades as I do if I didn't believe that. But I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily a certain time uh, to wait until as far as making a trade. I think some people have the mindset, you know, give it to Memorial Day, especially as far as you know, seeing if an Ian Kennedy is going to turn around or um, see if. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to come back to earth a little bit, or even Garrett Cole, Chris Archer, you know, those guys. So I think that's kind of, I think that's a good, you know, starting point, kind of giving it to Memorial Day just to, you don't want to dump a guy too early, and you certainly don't want to trade for a guy too early. Um, But, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with if someone wants to offer me something for, you know, Justin Upton back in mid-April after he just got out to a roaring start. You know, I don't think it, there's ever a point where it's too early to make a deal. It's just kind of finding that, you know, that certain medium. Yeah, uh, I am definitely on the, or at least this season, I've been making, I tried to make a lot of early season trades. Um, not usually what I do. I tend to sort of wait it out because I usually have pretty pretty high faith in my picks to pan out. Um, but I had some hot prospects. um like the one guy I traded twice this offseason and it's worked out very nicely for me uh, is Rusty Castillo on the Boston Red Sox. I actually flipped him for Justin Upton in one league, um, who, yes, has come down to earth a little bit, but still, I think Rusty Castillo has spent like three weeks in the majors and is now back in AAA. So I, I having so many prospects this year, I, I was, it sort of freed me up to be a little more um, – forward and just you know if i have eight prospects i turn those into five prospects and two major league players i think that's probably worth it um but again you never want to jump too fast into it because guys can turn it around guys can slow down all that good stuff um so do you sounded like you make a lot of trades is that uh is that how your game usually works yeah, I mean, I, I'll i send out a trade like every day. I mean, I'm in a lot of leagues, so that doesn't – that probably adds up to maybe a trade a week in each league. But, um, I mean, I think you can always look to improve your team. I, if you don't have a general idea on what you need, you know, you know I don't I don't really ever look at the standings. Um, I mean, obviously, you want to look at the standings, see how, you're, how you stack up with the rest of the league. Are you buried in one? But I don't necessarily look at the standings and see what I need because – in my opinion, you should kind of already know, like if you have Ben Revere and Billy Hamilton on one team, you don't need stolen bases and you don't need to look at the standings to know that. Um, but at the same time, uh, so I don't think you necessarily need to look at the standings in terms of knowing what you need. For instance, in one one league, I, I just traded for Craig Kimbrell and it, you know, the standings still technically would make it look like I need another closer. So, at the same time, if you make as many trades as I make, it, it may almost be a detriment to look at the standings because they're still going to show you needing saves, and won't take into effect, won't take into account that you already acquired those saves. Um, but at the same time, I think you know I, I took over an orphan team um, in one league. It had Todd Frazier and Charlie Blackman. Uh, I, I'll be the first to admit, even though they're both having pretty good years, obviously Frazier's having a great year. I tried to trade both those guys 
on April 1st as soon as I took the team over. Um, but I do still have both those guys. I think the biggest thing to be careful about when you're making a trade with someone even that you may think is performing over your head is is to still get that value. Like, you don't want to trade Todd Frazier at his, say, 2010, 270 value when he's hitting 300 and already has almost, you know, 20 and 10. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, you don't want to undersell your own guy just because you're yeah. trying to get rid of him when he's hot. Yeah, definitely. Um, Todd Frazier's season is a real, uh, real stinger for me. I had the choice to keep Todd Frazier or Anthony Rendon in one league. Uh, and the deadline was three days before Rendon got hurt. So I, I've had a week and a half of Rendon, and I've watched Todd Frazier hit like 23 home, three home runs. So that's been a – that sucked. But um, I definitely understand when you're trying to, you know, just see what's out there, sending out all those trades. Um, like I said, I tended to sit back. But being in so many dynasty leagues now, I, I think it is important to, you know, gauge the market and just see, you know, what could I get for this guy? Like I have uh, Zach Greinke in one league, whose ERA is 1.7. Um, ace in my staff. You probably don't want to trade your ace, but, you know, if somebody came back to you and offered me a John Carlos Stanton because they really needed pitching, I'd take that. So you never know who's going to give you what or who's gonna who really wants your players. So I think it's definitely worth always looking. You don't always have to do it. I think a lot of people get sort of frustrated, frustrated flustered when they enter into a trade negotiation because they think, oh, I owe it to this guy to actually make a trade. Like I, I asked for Billy Hamilton or a Ben Revere. So I should make the trade no matter what, even if I still don't really want to. Like you can definitely back out. You can come back to it later. Um, it's just like regular, real baseball, you know. Trades don't happen yeah, in a day. That's a good point. I think the, I think the other problem and why some people are a little more scared at making deals nowadays is with everything being, you know, obviously you have, you know, your friendship leagues, your leagues at work, your leagues, you know, amongst friends. There's also so many, um, you know, just public leagues that you're playing against strangers. So I think pe- those are the type of leagues where people are a little more cautious. They think someone's trying to take advantage of them. And at the same time, there's not a whole lot of negotiation in those leagues. It's essentially – Hey, I'll trade you this guy for this guy. No, all right, we're done. Like, yeah. okay, if it's not that guy, what what guy do you want? Or is the guy just untouchable? In which case, just tell me that, and I won't send you twenty offers. But so, yeah, I mean, I think kind of with friends. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think kind of with friends or you know with people that you know, it's a little different than in all those you know public leagues that some people play in where you don't necessarily know the people that you're trying to trade with. Yeah. Um, definitely definitely using that little, um, what's it called, text box when you send the trade offer. I think a lot of times people don't touch it. Um, and that should really leave things up to the imagination. Like somebody could offer you, you know, James Loney for Paul Goldschmidt. Um, and if you have Paul Goldschmidt, you think, Look at this asshole asking. He's trying to rip me off. Like, there's no way. When in reality, he may be just like saying, okay, let me send out a, a feeler, see what he would want for Goldschmidt, because you don't want to offer too much and have them take it right off the bat. Because then, like you said, you're not getting the value you need. Um, so just, you know, putting that, that little line of dialogue saying, hey, you know, I want Goldschmidt. This isn't a real offer. Just wanted to start talking. Um, I know some sites have that, like, private message, but. People don't always see those on the like the news feed. So yeah, and I think kind of like you you're talking about with the private message. I think that you know using the private message can be, and sometimes it can kill you because at least I know personally if someone sends me a message or if I send them an offer and they say yeah I really like this guy I just wouldn't give you him for him. I personally kind of take that as okay you're going to get this guy and I'm going to get as much as I can out of you for him if it's a guy I'm looking to deal. But at the same time, it can certainly be helpful because, you know, I was I was looking at making a deal with uh, one guy in my league for, you know, Brett Anderson and Andrew Kashner, uh, and a only league just trying to pick up some pitching depth. depth. And he came back, um, you know, and said that Shelby was available. So I ended up turning the deal into getting Shelby Miller instead of Andrew Kashner, which, I mean, some people can make an argument that at the end of the year that may end up 
actually being worse can, if you factor in what Cashner does from here on out compared to Miller. But at least on the surface, that looks like a much better deal getting Shelby Miller instead of Andrew Cashner. Yeah. Um, I've never thought of it that way where, you know, if you send that private message and say, hey, I really want Andrew Cashner, it sort of says, like, okay, I, uh, I'm going to try to milk you for all I can because I know you're really interested in him, as opposed to just setting the the request or the, the trade offer. And sort of, you know. Yeah, I mean, see. sometimes, sometimes it's, it's fine because I, I think the big uh, – the other problem is it depends on, I guess, they, they, I, I, don't, I don't know how to word it. It's almost it depends on how they word it because I'll send out feelers like that saying, I actually just sent one probably an hour ago saying, you know, I really want Jose Altuve. Um, and, I mean, I, I'll know, I know the depth to which I'll trade for Jose Altuve, so I'm not going to give up, you know, the farm for him, but I at least do want the guy to know I'm interested to see if he may send me a counter that could at least get the negotiation going. Yeah, people don't use the counter as much as I'd like. Uh, I get a lot of no's, and then that's sort of <laughs> it. It's like, well, no. I said, I said, would you be willing to trade, uh, you know, Jake Odorizzi? And you just say no, or you say, or you send a counter that doesn't have Jake Odorizzi in it. It's like, well, no, that's that's not what I wanted. I don't, I don't care that you have Addison Russell. Like, I don't want Addison Russell. I want Jake Odorizzi. Um, so that's yeah, partic- I particularly love those, you know. Hey, I'm interested in uh, Jake Odorizzi or, you know, Liriano. I'm looking at some pitching. All right, well, you know, here's Rusty Castillo. Like, what, did you read my message? Yeah. Like, like, I just told you what I want. And really that, that's the thing that drives me crazy, even more than, I, I assume this is what gets a lot of uh, fantasy players really pissed off, is when somebody offers you, like, uh Neil Walker for Derek Norris, and you're like, well, there's no catchers available on the pre-agent wire. Uh, I don't have a backup catcher, so who am I going to start, Carlos Ruiz? Like, I don't need, like, no, that's a terrible trade. I have no I have no fallback. I know people really hate that. I had to, I had to kind of let that one slide because I just assume people ask for the player they want without really thinking about it. But, man, that the, the counter offer that has nothing that I was asking for in it just infuriates me. Um, so yeah, that's trading's turned into sort of an art because you got to deal with all the egos of your your league mates. Um, you have to deal with the people who will always take, oh, you want player A? I want your best player because that's that's how I want this deal to go, and <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want anything less than that. Um, which sucks because then it's like, why are we? Like, do you really expect to do this for players who won't? even consider like trades that, you know, being a fantasy expert that we are, like I'd say it's a fair trade from an unbiased perspective, and then people just want the, the trades their way. So, Kind of well, quickly on that, I know we're going to get to the hot and cold players. Um, yeah, no, go ahead. What, what kind of, I guess, you know, asking you a question, what what would enable, what would, a, what would entice you to trade a guy like Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, or... Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Is there, I mean, is there any two for one out there? Is there any three for one? Or are those guys pretty much, unless we're swapping one for ones, um, you know, what would entice you to trade any of those guys? Uh, well, for me, it's probably three factors. Um, one, just from history, like I had my first real instance with this was, uh, or having like a elite player, was that one year Ubaldo Jimenez had like a point seven ERA through July. And uh, somebody offered me like Miguel Cabrera for it. I said no, because I assumed his ERA would stay that low. I was young and stupid. Um, so part of it, I just don't think the, like obviously these guys are way better than Ubaldo Jimenez ever was. So one, if you're thinking of trading a top guy, you have to take a new factor. You know, are they playing so far above their heads that even when they drop down to 300 and, you know, their normal level of production, you can get something better for that. Um, two, and probably more importantly, is how I stand in the standings. Like the, the like if I have Bryce Harper, uh, if I have all three of those guys in the league, say I took Goldschmidt round one, Stanton round two, or I don't know how you'd pull that off, but say you had 
like just an overflow of RBIs and your pitching is terrible, like I'd maybe consider uh, trading Stanton for Max Scherzer, um, something like that. And three, if you know if you're if this is a dynasty league, and you can sell them off for like an overabundance of you know young talent that can sort of keep you going for a long time. That one I wouldn't be so high on because prospects, as everybody knows, can totally flame out no no matter how good they are in the minors. But, um, yeah, if I'm trading one of those guys, I'm probably looking for pitching. Uh, Goldschmidt and Harper have some base dealing ability. Stanton, not too much. I think Even though I think he stole like 10 bases last year, there's not really another hitter that I would trade them for just because they pretty much do everything, except for maybe Mike Trout. Um, but in a normal year, maybe Felix Hernandez. This year, Max Scherzer, stuff like that. It'd have to be a, a top pitching guy. Would what you trade you? a Harper for a? Would you trade a Harper for like a? I mean, a Brian Dozier and a JD Martinez or Hamley Ramirez type guy. Uh, I think I'd, I, that would depend on how bad my team is. Because um, I think if I'm trading Harper for JD Martinez and Brian Dozier, I just need players to sort of fill out the stats. Um, because two guys are going to produce more stats on a daily basis than one. So probably not. Even if my team was 0-11, I'd probably hold on to Harper. Um, just because he, he's so good, and I don't think there's a ton that can really be done uh, between Brian Dozier and J.D. Martinez that would make it so worthwhile to get Bryce Harper. Why, is that a trade you, you've been offered? I, I, I actually, I've... I've been debating this type of trade for about two weeks now. He he has Miggy, so I started looking at trying to just swap Harper for Miggy and then get like an upgrade on Dozier or JD somewhere else. But I've been throwing it back and forth with a like he's got Ryan Braun, Hanley Ramirez, and Brian Dozier, okay. all, all like. So I, I was looking at like getting all three of them for Harper, but then he wanted Shelby Miller as well. Yeah, so, I've been batting it back and forth for like two weeks, and I finally decided I just I don't I don't want to move Harper, not not for because the other thing I kind of have to factor into is you know I have Marcus Semyon who would then be either cutter on my bench, so it's essentially the upgrade of Dozier to Semyon compared to the downgrade of Harper to JD Martinez. Yeah, that's. That's another thing you need to take into account in trades like that. It's just how it's going to bump out the rest of your team. Like you pick up another middle, now you have an extra middle infielder, an extra shortstop. Like their value is now just going to waste on your bench. But um, the last year in one of my leagues, I saw Mike Trout get traded for nine players. Um, it didn't help either. <laughs> yeah, well, it was not a great trade. It was probably the worst. Mike Trout trade I've ever seen. Um, there was like two guys in the minors, two guys who were only speed outfielders. I think one was Jared Dyson. Uh, Michael Saunders, who was hurt. Uh, and then it was just like a poo-poo platter. of It was like 10 dimes for a dollar. I was like, this is so bad. And I was trying to get a work a deal with when Harper came back last year. I was like, all right, I can give you Bryce Harper and two pitchers for Mike Trout. And he took the nine players just because he was so far behind that he's like, I need upgrades everywhere. I will take your nine players and hope it hope they just produce moderately. Um, he still finished in last, so it didn't it didn't really matter. Um, but yeah, trading trading the superstars are tough. A because you know they produce so well for you that you just don't want to lose that. And B, how do you really get value back for it? Um, but all right, so we've we've chewed over this uh, how to trade thing for a while. Um, so I wanted to just get your opinion on who you know you may be trading for, who you believe. Uh, we'll just say buy or sell, hot and cold. Um, which guys are playing well and you believe in it? Which guys are playing poorly and you think will bounce back and vice versa? Um, the first one that I think deserves talking to is Albert Pujols. He now has, I think, 
like twice as many home runs as strikeouts in the month of June. I think 16 to 8 or something like that. Do you believe that St. Louis Cardinals Albert Pujols is back for all of uh to to rain fire on all of us fantasy owners who did not draft him thinking he was washed up? Uh that's yeah, it's an interesting interesting player to bring up cuz actually at work I was just ranting about the guy for probably an hour straight uh to my intern just cuz I personally I am not an Albert Pujols fan for starters so that um you can take that for what it's worth as far as my opinion on him. I think what he's doing right now is sustainable in a way. Like if if you look at his numbers right now, I think he could post those numbers in the second half. I mean, not saying he could post his current June numbers the next three months, but yeah. His current numbers as is, I think he could post for the second half as well. With that said, I don't – everyone says, you know, he's uh, – Greg Amsinger said on MLB tonight two or three days ago, the machine is back or whatever. I don't – he's still hitting 275 or whatever like that and hit, I want to say, 250 the first two months. So I don't know that he's I, – I, let's just say I wouldn't be trading Anthony Rizzo for him. Um, you know, if you could get him in a trade for maybe Adrian Gonzalez, who has really been, you know, cold ever since April, um, you know, if you could get something like – some sort of trade like that, or maybe, you know, sw- I would probably swap like a Ryan Braun for him. Again, I don't think these guys would get him, but I wouldn't be giving up an Anthony Rizzo or, or for that matter, really even a Joey Votto type guy for him just because – I think the average is going to be there for Rizzo and Votto. I like their chances a lot more than Pujols. Interesting. Yeah. The, I think what you said about him sustaining these numbers for the whole season, like he could probably end with 40 home runs. Um, definitely, definitely agree with that. I also think his uh, batting average will probably come down because he's not been the, you know, the 320 batter we saw in St. Louis um, that everybody fell in love with. So I think he's probably worth worth trading for if, if somebody's willing to move him. But I wouldn't trade for him right now simply because, he, like I said, he's hit more home runs than he struck out this month. Like whoever's selling pools is going to be selling. Like this is probably the peak you could sell pools for. So if you want to sell him now, I would. Well, okay, let me ask you. Would you sell him now or would you hold him for the rest of the year? No, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. I think if you're if, – if you're ever going to move pools, and I kind of think guys who have pools kind of have them because of his, you know, Cardinal days. You know, he was cheap to get them. I don't, I don't really see those guys moving them. Personally, if I had them, I'd probably be selling them. If you can get, you know, an Anthony Rizzo type guy, if you can go to a guy and say, "Hey, look what he's doing in June. This is, you know, the perennial MVP from three, four years ago." If you could sell him for a Rizzo, I, I definitely would. I'd probably feel the water on, you know, what you could get for him. Maybe maybe you can get a Scherzer for him from, from you know, a diehard Cardinal fan who just really wants to have him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with testing the water on him, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily – again, it's kind of like Todd Frazier. I wouldn't sell him just to sell him um, yeah. just because he's going to plummet back to earth or something like that. Okay. Um, you said something interesting that you might – you would sell him for Anthony Rizzo. You wouldn't buy him for Anthony Rizzo. Uh, do you think Anthony Rizzo could keep stealing bases and get to 22? I think it's 11 now. Let me look it up. Yeah, he's 11 now. He's been caught five times. So he's tried to steal 16 times. Do you think he gets to 20 steals for the season? Uh, quick answer would be no. Um I, I, I'm a big fan of Anthony Rizzo just because, you know, I think in in that offense with what Madden is doing with him and Bryant kind of um, somewhat rotating them depending on the righty or lefty on the hill, um, you know, I think that's helping him out a lot. Plus, obviously having Chris Bryant as protection has helped him out a lot as well. Um, so I, I wouldn't – if you're trading for Anthony Rizzo because of the 11 stolen bases um, – not to be rude, but you're probably making a huge mistake. Yeah, um, yeah. But because, I mean, all you have to look at, he stole six in April, only was caught once. Since then, he's stolen five and been caught four times. So, I mean, I don't 
by no means did he suddenly become a base stealer. But at the same time, he is still, you know, he's hit 289 or above each of the three months this season. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I just really like Rizzo. I think he's a solid four-category contributor. And having Bryant in that offense and potentially Schwarber down the line, um, that's only going to help him out. Yeah, what a debut from Schwarber, huh? Like, I, I had him in my minor league slot for one league. He was the best he was the best player on my team. That like four hundred with six <laughs> RBIs and six runs. It's like can I can I please get a mulligan and put him in? Um all right. Yeah, I think Rizzo probably gets to fifteen uh, and sort of tops out. I think he kinda caught people off guard that he was running so early in the season. Uh, sorry, quick but, thing on a mulligan. Do you play beat the streak on MLB dot com? I do not play beat the streak on MLB dot com. Is that what is uh, that? Uh, it's essentially you just pick a player each day to get a hit. Um, yeah, right, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, so just a quick thing on mulligans. If you any listeners out there, they there's a mulligan that you can use between uh, if your streaks between ten and fifteen, but you have to use the mulligan the night it the streak would have ended, or the mulligan is wasted. I, I found that out the hard way. So just any listeners out there, you have to use it the night it would end. So the night a guy goes over for four that you pick, you have to use the mulligan that night. Oh. I digress, though. Well, that's actually pretty interesting because I was just at the uh, FSTA conference this past Monday or Tuesday, uh, Fantasy Sports Trade Association conference um, in New York, and uh, I saw Matthew Berry there. That was pretty cool. He's a lot taller in person than you'd think. Um, but, again, that's irrelevant. But some somebody – one whole part of it was like uh, pitching new daily fantasy games, and one of them was involved sort of mulligans, where if you if you had Schwarber on your bench, they gave you credit for drafting him, so they they let you swap him in. I think you could do it like once a week or something like that. So it'd be interesting to see if mulligans sort of work their way into fantasy sports. I hope not until like you know season long stuff, but but anyway. That was just a nice pitch to say I was at the FSTA conference because I'm pretty legit. <laughs> um, another big slugger who I've been pretty interested in, simply because I have a lot of Adrian Beltre stock, uh, thinking he would be the guy hitting like this. But the guy across the diamond in Prince Fielder owns the 330 average and the 11 home runs and 50-so RBIs. Um, and he was obviously hurt last year, but he was pretty terrible before that. Um and he was a little down his last couple of years in Detroit as well. Prince Fielder, rest of the season, bat over three, let's say three ten, uh, final average. What do you buy or sell that? Uh, I'd probably say it's going to be more around two eighty. I mean, drop, he's, he's never dropped down a lot. Oh, you you're saying his year end average would be about three ten? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you so? If he if he bats two eighty the rest of the way, he probably would end with an overall three ten. Okay, yeah, I could I could buy that. I was I think he'll hit about two eight. I think the biggest thing to know about you know these guys who are, have had a great you know first half, it's not like they're going to suddenly forget how to hit. Like oh, yeah. everyone kind of, everyone kind of thinks you know they're going to come back to earth. Yeah, they're going to come back as in they're going to do what they normally do you know, the next three months. Not they're going to hit 220, so their numbers come back to what they normally are. Like, they they still had a great, you know, first three months. Do I see him hitting 330 the rest of the season? No. But he'll probably still hit about 280 the rest of the way. Yeah, I think that's true. Do you, do you, would you – are you going out looking for, to try to buy Prince Fielder stock? Are you looking to sell it, or are you holding on to him? Um, uh, so there's probably – Probably been a pleasant surprise to most people who who drafted him with this 340 average and the 47 RBIs. Uh, uh, I guess the quickest answer on that would be selling because I already had him on a league and I sold him for Joey Votto. Um, okay, I, that's probably a good deal. I like Prince Fielder, but there's no, you know, he again his average has been solid, but he hit one homer in April, then nine in May, and now he has one in June. You know, he had 10 RBIs in April, 28 in May, 9 in June. So, I mean, I think there's another May. In the next three months, I think there's another May, um, you know, in those splits. 
but if there's another April and June, that's as far as power-wise, you're not going to get what I think people are anticipating. Yeah, I mean, he only has 11 home runs so far. I mean, that's not like two home runs so far, but I think people remember him of the 40, 50 home runs in Milwaukee in those first couple of years of Detroit. I don't think he'll probably end up with those numbers. Um, all right, let's move to a few pitchers here. I'm just going down my list that I've typed out. Uh, just every every Cleveland Indian pitcher. <laughs> um, kind of a mystery. They're, uh, well, it's probably not a mystery. It's that they have terrible defense behind them. Uh, Corey Kluber is, what, 3-9. and nine. Uh, Carlos Carrasco's ERA, like before today, 4-5. Trevor Bauer just got blown up yesterday or the day before. Danny Salazar got blown up. Um, of the, I don't even know who their fifth starter is, but he's not probably that important. Of those four, Frankham, the pitchers you would be looking to go out and uh, trade for at this point in the season, if that made uh, sense. Yeah, I think it all depends on the price of them. Um, obviously, if the, if someone has both Kluber and Bauer, and they're you know considering their price the same, I'm going to go for Kluber just because his name has higher value if I decide I want to move one of them later on. Um, I guess I kind of gave away what I'm about to say, though. But um, as far as ranking them, I'd probably rank Bauer first. Um, I think people kind of forget the pedigree he came up with in Arizona because he struggled so much. But uh, he's he's had a great season in Cleveland, and he's kind of one of those guys there's no reason he can't you know, he can't continue it. His biggest, the biggest problem with him has been, you know, control issues, which granted he does have 41 walks and 84 innings, but um, I definitely think he can at least maintain what he's doing now and probably improve. Um, I I think there's a lot of, I think Kluber's a really interesting story. He's just, he had those, a couple dominant outings in a row and suddenly everybody said he was back you know, back to being Cy Young form, and then he's kind of fallen back back down a little bit. So I would be nervous to give up what I think Kluber would cost compared to what I think Bauer would cost. And then I'd probably rank Salazar third and Carrasco fourth. Really? Carrasco fourth? Why? I'm big on Carrasco. I'd probably put him uh, number two, maybe even number one, depending on how much it would, it would cost for him. Um just not a Carrasco fan, or have you seen something this year that, you know, you just want to stay away, let somebody else deal with that problem? I just, I mean, I, I don't really know. It could be, Carrasco could be just one of those guys. I mean, there's always those guys we have a personal dislike for, whether it's they burned us previously or we just, for some reason, our gut doesn't think they're that good. Um, oh yeah, definitely I mean, Matt know. Kemp. I hate Matt Kemp. <laughs> I hate him so much. Uh, I had him. I think that Carrasco's team. just that guy for me, and and Bauer's kind of the opposite. You know, I just pulled up both their numbers, and there's zero reason I should like Bauer more than Carrasco. I'll be the first to admit that, but my gut just says, you know, I like Trevor Bauer. I've liked him ever since he was in Arizona. So, yeah, I don't know. I just. For instance, Salazar burned me last year, so I have no liking for Salazar. But I think, you know, the strikeout potential obviously makes him definitely worth a flyer. I mean, obviously he would cost more than a flyer, but he'd be, he'd be worth something at least. I'm actually trying to trade Shelby um, in a trade for him if I can convince the guy that Shelby would be an upgrade just because I need the strikeouts. Yeah, well, Shelby's giving up two hits tonight, so you're uh... – it might help your cause. Um, but that is, you brought up something about those numbers between Bauer and Sal, or not Salazar, Carrasco. Like, obviously, Carrasco uh, is the, the buy low darling right now because his FIP and his ex FIP are like 2 5, while his ERA is 4 5. And while I believe in that, all those advanced stats and stuff, sometimes guys are just going to pitch poorly and like balls are just going to land weird and. You know, when they when the numbers say they should be pitching well, they may not be. Like Alfredo Simone, for two seasons, has been a serviceable fantasy starter. And his FIP's been like five for two years. Or last year it was like five. I don't know what it is this year. I think it's probably lower. But still, sometimes guys just outpitch the numbers. And, you know, you can always wait for 
Carrasco to turn it around, and he may never he may never turn it around. While you could get Trevor Bauer in his three five ERA and just sort of cruise along. So I don't. I don't yeah, think I mean, what, what I think is kind of interesting about those four. Kind of, you mentioned the you know the hidden hidden statistics, you know, exit all that. Uh, I, I think what's interesting to note Carrasco, and I only know this because I just looked up all four pitchers. Uh, Carrasco is only one of the four to ha- have allowed more hits. Um, than innings pitched in the other three, um, which is just kind of interesting given that all four kind of strikeout pitchers. Um, generally, you're not going to allow that many hits. You're, you may walk some, but generally your hits per per nine is going to be less than one. So, I mean, may, again, maybe those hidden stats is just showing that he's getting uh, given up a little more contact than the other three, or maybe I'm just trying to prove my point, you know, ten minutes later. <laughs> Well, you know, not everybody is sold on every player in this uh, Major League Baseball, so I could definitely, I can definitely understand your argument. I like Carrasco. I tend to stick with those uh, those advanced stats, but he pitched well today. He pitched bad last time. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. I just, I'm really hoping he gets on another hot streak like he did towards the end of last year. Yeah, I actually swapped him for James Shields, who I'm really high on. Just taking Carrasco with a higher ceiling, and I got to make a move. But yeah, the Cleveland Indians rotation—that has been one hell of a weird thing uh, this season. Uh, on to some more pitchers. AJ Burnett it was terrible last year on Philadelphia, but I guess that could just be the suck hole that is Philadelphia. Um, and now is look revitalized. Do you believe in AJ Burnett's success? And would you go? Um, would you sell him? I think I'd probably sell him, to be honest, just because I have so little faith in AJ Burnett. But uh, what's your opinion? Yeah, I, I, I kind of think Burnett's just one of those guys. I mean, when you first mentioned him, my my response was ugh. I, I think he's one of those guys. If you have him, you just keep hoping he's gonna. You can obviously send out some flyers, but I, I don't think you're gonna be able to move him. It's kind of like Todd Frazier. I think you could move him. But someone's going to want to give you, since we mentioned it, like Carlos Carrasco type value, um, which may not necessarily be bad. But why, why trade a guy with a two ERA for a guy with a four three ERA? You know, I think it's kind of the safest bet would kind of be to just ride it out and hope it hope it doesn't drown until October. Well, the one thing I will say for AJ Burnett. Um, well, first, his peripheral numbers, so his FIP is the 2.65 compared to his actual ERA of the 2.05. So it's not like he has a expected run average of like five runs a game and he's only given up two. So that's good. But he, the guy does not tend to slow down, or not slow down, but he'll pitch you 200 innings. So you're going to get your plenty of starts. It's not like you're, you're banking on Brandon Morrow's shoulder or Jaime Garcia's shoulder or those pitchers who tend to get hurt every year. Uh, I agree with you what you're saying about you probably won't get the value back that you probably deserve. Um, on a lower scale, I've been trying to trade Ubaldo Jimenez for like two months. And the guy, you know, he has a, he's had some bad whip games where he's given up like 12 base runners, but he's winning. He's striking people out. I think he's definitely worth dealing for if you know desperate for pitching you can get him for cheap but it's just that name value like nobody wants to trade for AJ Burnett and give up one of their good players because in their minds they remember the 4.5 ERA from last year they think there's no way I'll give up uh, Neil Walker for AJ Burnett because I I have a I, I think he sucks there's no better way to put it than that yeah, I think it's think interesting he, you mentioned oh, alright no, you go, go ahead uh, I, I think it's interesting you mentioned. Uh, <laughs> All right, you mentioned name value. <laughs> you mentioned name value. I think that I, I wrote an article about that um, on so-called fantasy experts uh, early earlier in the off season, kind of, um, and, and it still holds true. Again, even in towards the end of June, we're three months into the season. But I would imagine a lot if if you had Tulowitzki and another guy had Todd Frazier, I would imagine the guy who had Tulowitzki would expect just as much for him as Todd Frazier, which makes no sense 
Um, but it's just kind of the the way it is. Even though Frazier's now done this for a year and a half, and Tulo hasn't done it in about three years, as far as you know, being healthy and productive for a full season. So I, it it is just funny how guys get that name and they they just have that value that some players, for some reason or another, can never never acquire. Yeah. It. Uh, I also think part of it may be just where where guys have been drafted. Um, probably by the end of June, early July, people sort of forget that stuff. But for auction leagues, I've run into, you just see, oh, I paid twenty seven dollars for whoever some outfielder. I don't want to trade him for your twelve dollar player who's playing like a twenty seven dollar player because I pay twenty seven, you pay twelve. That's not fair. You have to sort of look at things in the moment. Um, and A.J. Burnett definitely definitely is hurt by that. I'm sure there's a lot of guys. Uh, Ubaldo Jimenez on a much smaller scale, like I said, but it's just tough when people just have a uh, preconceived notion of them. You may not be able to sell them at all. You just better hope that uh, they play well the whole season. Well, yeah, um, I mean, what's funny about a guy like Ubaldo is – I mean, obviously, we're talking a little deeper, a little shallower leagues, but in some of my mixed leagues, he's a free agent. It's like, that that's how little respect people have for a guy like Ubaldo Jimenez is they won't even, they aren't even willing to drop their worst player for a guy like him because they're just so sure in their mind that he is going to collapse. Well, I mean, I've been pretty worried every time he pitches that it's just sort of the wheels are going to come off. But he's done it for three months now. ZRAs, you know, high threes, or not high threes, mid threes. Like, I can deal with that from Evaldo Jimenez. I wasn't expecting, you know, Max Scherzer level production from him. But he's just he's a serviceable starter. Um, but I don't think I'll be able to trade him, having said that. Uh, another guy I've talked briefly about before, and nothing frustrates me more than when this guy pitches simply because his team will not score him a run to save his life. And that is Zach Greinke, owner of a 1.7 ERA, I want to say. And he has not won a game since May 5th. Um, would you sell high on Greinke, thinking, you know, his ERA of 1.7, that's probably going to be his as well, he's going to pitch all year, and he's only got five wins all season. And those five wins came in the first six starts of the season. So he hasn't got a win the last eight. Um, or do you hold on to him thinking, obviously, he's a really good pitcher. Just, you know, the ERA may go up, but so probably will his team score runs for him. What do you think? Patrick? Well, you may have lost Patrick there. Um, hey, sorry. Okay, Patrick's Hello? back. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, uh, wow. Okay. Um, okay, yeah, so I don't know that I'm necessarily buying or selling Grinky. I, I guess I really like Grinky. I think a guy like Kershaw proved last year, not that Grinky's on his level, but pitchers have proven, you know, they can sustain this for a full season as far as his ERA ratio um, that's concerned. I, I think Grinky's a little more. Uh, he pitches the contact maybe a little more than some of those stud type guys like a Kershaw or a Sale. Uh, and wins. I, I think trading for or trading away. I'm trying to think of how to word that. Trading a guy because he's not getting wins, or trading for a guy because he is getting wins. They're just so volatile as far as you know. Some guys do go through that for a full season. They just their offense won't score runs for him, but um, Grinky could easily win, you know, three games the rest of the season, or he could easily win ten. So I think trying to value that in a trade is is really difficult because I don't think if you're trading for Grinky, I don't think anyone's going to devalue him, um, you know, to get him off their team because he only has five wins. Um, so I I think his price would still be the same as if you were to acquire a guy with 10 wins right now, like Derek Cole or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'll take full responsibility for ruining Zach Ranke's wins like two months ago. I said, I think Zach Ranke 
this is the dark horse favorite, or is my favorite dark horse to win the Cy Young, simply because he was going to remember that one year Max Scherzer won the Cy Young when everybody was still talking about Justin Verlander as the ace of the Tigers. I thought that same thing would happen. Kershaw would get all the press. Granky would just sort of keep winning, keep dominating, and then you know run to the finish. And I'm pretty sure since I said that he has not won, so <laughs> I don't I don't think he's going to win the Cy Young now. Um, but then again, he also would have had to deal with Max Scherzer, uh, who apparently does not give up hits ever. Uh, so that's the thing. It's been a really interesting year for pitching. Like so many huge strikeout games, no hitters this early in the season, and then got poor Zach Greinke just. Not giving up runs, not scoring, not striking out a huge amount of people. He's striking out eight people per nine innings, so not even a strikeout an inning. And middle of me had to ruin his Cy Young chance. So I'm sorry, Zach. I know you're probably a huge fan of the show. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're definitely right about trading for uh, wins. That stuff's just so weird. And you know what? If you're just going to sort of, you could have a middle reliever on your team who gets you five wins, like, and that could be the same as Zach Greinke, who's pitched so well. So wins are just so fluky. Um, I may rant in the offseason for inclusion of more quality start leagues just because this is annoying to have to deal with watching Greinke like, pitch eight innings of shutout ball to watch the Dodgers only get two hits. Um this actually does segue nicely into my next guy because he's usually the only person who gets a hit for Granky, uh, and that's Jock Peterson, the rookie uh, rookie sensation. What uh, he has most home runs by a rookie since Albert Pujols in 2001 before the All Star break. I think it's only an NL rookie. I don't know if it was AL. But how many do you think the power continues um, throughout the rest of the season? I know his batting average has gone up and down. He's been hot and cold. He hasn't stolen as many bases as he was in the minors. Uh, what do you what do you think about his rest of season sort of is going to look like? Yeah, what's so interesting about Peterson is like you mentioned the stolen bases just that they aren't there, which would you could almost associate with you know where he's batting in the order, but he's batting leadoff. So it's kind of just funny that it's similar to what you know George Springer went through last year. He just didn't run. You know, he's running a little more this year. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting that, that he hasn't run at all, which might be a little concerning as far as if you're trying to, you know, buy low on him, if there is a low for Peterson, um, thinking that maybe you'll get some stolen bases in the second half that the owner you're acquiring him from is accounting for. Um, but in terms of I, – I don't know that I'd necessarily be buying on Peterson just because his strikeouts – he hasn't really cut down on him. It's kind of the same reason um, I'm kind of more high on Michael Franco than Chris Bryant is you know, the strikeouts are still kind of there for Peterson. So that 150, you know, average month-long slump, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's safe from by any means. I think you could definitely see that in the second half of the season once he's facing, you know, the West Coast teams a lot more playing in a you know a pitcher friendly ballpark like he does. Um so I mean I don't I don't have any problem with Peterson. I own him in quite a few leagues actually and I'm by no means looking to deal him. But I do I certainly think his strikeouts are a little concerning and the lack of stolen bases I don't know that you can necessarily say, oh he'll start stealing in the second half. Yeah, I, I think by now if he was gonna really be that I I know he went 30-30, I think, last year in the Triple uh, A. People were freaking out over that since, you know, 30-30 players don't grow on trees, obviously. Um, but I think if he was going to approach that, or even 2020, he'd probably have stolen, or at least just been running more at this point. Uh, and since he is batting at the, towards the top of the lineup, his RBI total is probably not going to be super high. So I'm, I stay in, I've stayed away from Peterson most of the season. That may be because I own a lot of Steven Souza, who's like a slightly worse version of Peterson when it comes to hitting and slightly better when it comes to stealing bases. But still, I don't think I could have those two uh, just home runner bust kind of guys. Yeah, I think that's a, kind of a perfect uh, 
kind of a perfect comparison. I think um, definitely if you're looking to trade, I think a guy like Souza, I'm not necessarily really high on him considering he's hitting, I want to say, 225 or so. Yeah, um, about. But, yeah, I think a, a guy like him would probably come so much cheaper than Peterson. So depending on what you're in need of, I think that would almost be a much better deal um, if you could get Souza kind of cheap than to try to, you know, give up a top top hitter, a top prospect like a Michael Franco or something to get Peterson. Um, Souza might not be a bad alternative. Yeah, but I think kind of like what with Peterson hitting leadoff, he's if his average doesn't come up, he's almost just a two category guy, which those kind of do grow on trees. <laughs> yeah, the uh, at least Souza has a. I think he batted fifth last night. He's batted third most of the season. So second, eh, maybe second most of the season. But they have moved him into more of the heart. Excuse me, of the lineup. Um, set bodes well for Souza. Peterson now at least will probably have I don't know where they're batting Puig, but if he has Puig behind him that should go well for his runs. But I just Peterson's not for me. People were super high on that that thirty thirty, his price tag's just gonna be too high, I think. Um so I'll I'll be staying away from most uh most Jock Peterson deals. Uh the last guy I sort of wanted to talk about eh, unless I think of another one after this. This is a guy who's been playing pretty poorly. Um, we talked about a lot of guys who played really well. Think about a guy who's playing terribly, and that would be Christian Yelich of the Marlins, who everybody was super high on coming into the season. They thought that was going to be one of the best uh, outfields, young outfields ever. Uh, Ozuna's been okay. Obviously, Stad's been fantastic. Yelich has been sort of actually very underperforming, underwhelming. With four home runs, 15 RBIs, and a 235 batting average. Um, think Yelich is a buy low candidate, or just uh, just maybe having a snake bitten year? Uh, yeah, he's actually kind of the one guy I can give you a definitive answer of yes on. Um, I was actually, I would have said sell high, even if there was a high point ever this <laughs> Probably two, three weeks ago. I actually did, I traded him. Um, and a deal for Ben Revere in a keeper league. So I may regret that here in about a month or two. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I kept hearing about his back and how he wasn't going to run um, and that it may be a lost season for him. And then in June now he's hit 260, um, even better, you know, over the last probably seven days or so. So I, I think, you know, I think the hype has kind of died down on him just because we're now three months in and he's just doing nothing. You know, the power is not there. He's not driving in runs, not stealing. Um, he's not really even scoring runs considering where he's batting in the order. So, yeah, I think I think now is kind of a really a really good time to to buy low on him, especially in a keeper league and kind of even in a in just a, you know, one-year um, redraft league. Okay. See, I would have stayed away from him totally. Um I made entrees and to try and trade for him early in the season, and there was the injury, uh, and he's just been a little too inconsistent for me. And like I said before, I, ch- I tend to stick with the – or not stick with, but I let, you know, some some of our favored, favored metric stats sort of guide me in what I think uh, a guy could eventually do. Um, Yelich is Babbitt, which is sort of, you know – how lucky you get when you hit the ball right around league average of 300. Uh, he's, he's walking a little less than he had the last or the last year, but most of his numbers look pretty similar. I just think he's not, the balls just aren't landing for him. Um, just slugging a little down. But yeah, I'm not a fan of Yelich this year. And I, I wasn't even a fan of Yelich coming into the season just based off of, you know, in auction leagues, how much he was going for. Um, I, was really thinking I'd rather have Ozuna over Yelich for the power. Um, Yelich stole, I think, 20 bases last year, which is great, or which is good, but it's not like great if you're going if you want him as a speed outfielder. If you want speed, sort of like your deal with Ben Revere might be a good option. I don't know. I just thought Yelich was a little too overhyped, but I can definitely see what you're saying. With now, he's people are probably so so far off the bandwagon that if you were going to buy him. Now would probably be a good time. 
Well, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of, I, I totally see where you're coming from. I think his hype is, for some reason, a guy like him, I mean, not that 1520 is bad, but for some reason for him, 1520 seems, you know, that's kind of always been said to be his ceiling. It's not like um, he's supposed to be the 30-30 guy. He's yeah. That's down here. So I think in that regard, his hype has kind of been through the roof for a guy who's really just not supposed to be the next Mike Trout. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think if you can get him cheap, you know, get him for even like a Curtis Granderson or something, I think obviously his ceiling should at least be better than that of Granderson the next three months. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's a talented player. He was great last season and, uh, you know, people bought him for a reason this year. There's just not a guy I'm going to, I'm going to put on any of my teams. Well, if he was a free agent, I'd put him on my team, but I probably won't go after him too much. But, uh, all right, so that's about an hour of uh, talking. I don't think there was really anything else I wanted to get uh, to cover. We got some, uh, this was some nice banter here, Patrick. I appreciate it uh, coming on. I'm glad we didn't lose you for too much when your phone dropped out or whatever. Um, but we'll have to uh, get you on again. Why don't you just, you know, shout out your info again, and uh, we can uh, get on out of here. Yeah, um, obviously, if anybody wants to ask some questions, it's uh, on Twitter. It's pwall underscore 1989. And then I'm also uh, potentially beginning work with uh, com. It's uh, kind of a, on, uh, it's a smartphone app kind of fantasy resource for for football season when that gets underway. Um, aside from that, you know, I always write the weekly article on Sundays for, you know, five pitchers sit and start on so-called fantasy experts. So for, be sure to check that out. Um, Bumgarner was actually my big pick this week, but he he didn't get get, get the W. Uh, I don't believe at least. Now I'm kind of drawing a blank. Um, no, anyways, enough they, of that. I, I think they went to extras or something, so I think he just got a no decision. He did strike out a lot of people. I think he set a career high for strikeouts. He might have struck out like 14 or something, but might have given up two or three runs. Um, also, Draft LA, that's pretty cool uh, that you signed up for that. Seems like a really fun app. It's basically, if I am understanding this right, sort of like a fantasy expert in your pocket. They send you questions, you answer them kind of thing. Yeah, it was kind of uh, looking at it, you know, it's pretty innovative, um, kind of a, a new new thing to fantasy sports. Obviously, everybody's got to continue to look for uh, a new way to to entice, you know, the, the listener, the reader. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a, a fantasy expert. You know, they help you through through the your own fantasy draft, you know, kind of like your own personal assistant, if you will. Um, so, yeah, it kind of seemed pretty pretty innovative when I was first, you know, looking into it. Um, but yeah, aside from that, uh, there's also, I did an interview with, uh, Kansas City Royals general manager. If you, if anybody's interested in, you know, their prospects, you know, trying to figure out if Kyle Zimmer, you know, when Chris Medlin may be back, he actually is rehabbing with the Nationals today. Um, so be sure to check that out on so-calledfantasyexperts.com as well. Wow. That's, I'm going to have to read that because, uh, I want to know what the hell's going on with Kyle Zimmer. Uh, the Royals farm system is a mystery to me, so that could be a real good piece of info. Uh, but Patrick, thank you for coming on. Uh, all you listeners, I appreciate you tuning in. I know I promised you outro music. I still don't have it. Like I said, I was at the Fantasy Sports Trade Association conference all the last two days. So I've not had time. Look at to... you just name dropping. Right? Matthew Berry was there. <laughs> I was there. Um, I'm pretty legit. So follow me on Twitter at the real Travioli. Uh, we'll be at, we'll, uh, we will be back next week with more fantasy baseball. Um, we're getting towards the time where I'll probably start running the fantasy football podcast a little more frequently. So we'll get some people on there. We have a nice so-called fantasy expert mock draft going right now. Don't want to say that my team's the best, but I'm very happy with how it's turned out so far. Nobody's really liked my pick of Matt Forte though. Maybe it's fourth overall. I do, though. Anyway, that's... Where are you taking Peterson? Where would I take Peterson? Uh, I probably just won't. Not, not <laughs> if, I was, if I was drafting today, 
I don't think I'd take him. It's just too confusing. Ask me in August. Um, <laughs> that's that's a question for once we see how minicamp goes. But anyway, this has been the so-called fantasy – or no, that's the old title. This has been the Home Run the Jewels fantasy – fantasy, god damn it. Now I'm so confused, Patrick. <laughs> this has been the Home Run the Jewels fantasy baseball podcast brought to you by so-called fantasy experts. I've just named every podcast I've done for the site. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Check us out on the site. Read our stuff. We will catch you next week. Patrick, I appreciate you making the time to come on. We will have to work you into the roster some more. See you later, Thanks guys. Thanks for having me.